Talk Me to the Movies, aka your favorite movie podcast. We're your hosts, Kara and Brenna. And today we are talking all things the long awaited Dune. We have both saw. Woo! (laughs) I can't believe it. I can't believe this is actually happening. (laughs) And to be honest, I like didn't know if we'd get here. (laughs) I feel like we've been talking about this movie for so long. We have. I mean, we're literally a year out from when we, I think, the date moved so many times, but I think we're a year out from when we were supposed to see it the last time. <laughs> it's bizarre. It's bizarre. But it was well worth the wait. And it was. Should... <laughs> and there will be spoilers in this, in this yeah. episode. So. Completely unavoidable. <laughs> yeah. Proceed with caution. Yeah, and, and spoilers also might be helpful in this case, I think. <laughs> I feel like they would on. be too. Like, yeah. not to jump all the way in, but... <laughs> Do it. Like, the first or like the first rendition of this film, like, I feel like I would have been so lost. Mm-hmm. But I'm still, I'm still lost, so I really shouldn't even be recording this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? From what I have read and and heard and just it's kind of just a mix of people like I mean people's experiences and I think that's kind of cool like I read the book when did I read that I guess earlier this year but before that I was like you I'd I'd only seen the Lynch version which who who knows I guess (laughs) it's been a while so I don't know if it's the most accurate guide but at least it sets you up for there's a lot of intricacies and wild things happening at least it does that so (laughs) I think you've definitely (laughs) you've definitely got the foundation (laughs) I'm really glad that you read the book I forgot that you had done that so yeah I can just ask you all my questions all my dune related questions I'll just come to you (laughs) absolutely yeah (laughs) I will do my best I'm always like I'll have a little bit of a fear of the nerds like (laughs) if I was to say something wrong but yeah I did read it and I adored the book but And because of that, I got really, like, I took a step back from being super excited about the movie because suddenly my expectations were really high. I mean, they were, but I was like, oh, man, now I'm worried that this is going to get ruined for me. But I thought it was pretty incredible movie and that they did a really, really good job. They being Denis and his team, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, though, they really did so well. Um, Do you want to tell us what it's about? Mm. <laughs> yes I'll do my best <laughs> I just took a sip of water and I laughed because like right before we started recording I was like I really should have typed out a synopsis <laughs> that's okay I'll wing it shout out um, to Letterboxd for the yes <laughs> for real for oh the my goodness <laughs> yeah Letterboxd does a pretty good job they really do um I appreciate theirs so <laughs> Dune the movie Dune part one I guess <laughs> is an adaptation of um it's about the first half or first two-thirds of the book dune from that came out literally in 1965 which is wild like how timely it still is and um essentially it is a vast and dazzling sci-fi space epic um that is (laughs) i'm like already getting intimidated um that (laughs) That centers around, okay, so it's really far in the future. It's like the year 10,000 something. Um, There's an emperor and then other planets are ruled by uh, basically feudal style rulers. So there's like dukes, um, 
barons, lords, ladies, that kind of thing. Where we come to in this story is that one of these um, houses, House Atreides, has been tapped by the emperor to change planets from Caladan, which is like a very foresty, water-heavy planet, to a planet called Arrakis, aka Dune. And they've been given this planet by the emperor to come in and take over spice harvesting from their basically number one enemy, the Harkonnens, um, which is the family that was on Arrakis previously. So basically, um, the Atreides family is the opposite of the Harkonnens. The Harkonnens are brutal, and they've basically ruled Dune by force and basically turned the um, the people who live there, the Fremen, into their slaves, and it's just all about spice production and making money. When the Atreides family comes in, they are um, known just for being kind and noble, and they're kind of a they're they're coming in and they have and they're having this heavy order to keep up spice production. But the Duke of House Atreides, Duke Leto, his son Paul, who is the main character of this story, is just a very gifted young man who, um, due to being half noble from his father and then also um, the son of a high priestess from his mother, um, he has just a lot of special abilities. And in the context of this story is like a messianic figure where um, he a lot of people believe he is basically the one to come um, and lead Dune and the greater galaxy into a better future. And so basically throughout the context of this movie, we are just um, seeing Paul adapt to moving to this new planet with his family. Um, and due to some crazy circumstances, he kind of goes on a hero's journey of trying to learn who he really is what kind of leader does he want to be um that's kind of where the what the this first movie is leading us up to um and i know that we'll get into a lot of the other details um but it's highly complicated and (laughs) some other things i guess that are important about that i didn't really say are that um the reason arrakis the planet is so important is because it's the only planet that has um the spice on it this special magical substance that's worked into the sand it fuels space travel it fuels knowledge it's a trippy drug that allows them to (laughs) um to that allows paul in particular um to tap into his special abilities and kind of exceed the bounds of time so it's a really important substance and that's why arrakis is such an important planet and why house atreides and harkonnens are um dueling over ownership of it Um, A lot of other stuff happens. There are worms that are important. Um, And the Fremen people. (laughs) I could literally, oh my goodness, talk about this forever. But um, yeah, I think that's the gist of it. No, that was amazing. (laughs) Okay, and remind me, the Fremen are the ones that are like the most adjusted to living in the sand, right? Yes, they've learned to live in the desert that basically would kill anybody else who spent any time in it. They've basically adapted their whole lifestyle to be able to live out there and not have to be in the city where they'd be even more controlled by whichever, you know, house is leading them or But they're not Harkonnen, right? Right. Yeah, they're their own people. Yeah. So the, the Harkonnens, Harkonnens are now on the a new planet with yes. Baron. Okay. Cool. Yeah, the Harkonnens, so that when the Emperor gave House Atreides the planet, 
the Harkonnens went back to their home planet, which is called um, Gaiety Prime. So uh, basically the Harkonnens are just the people that had occupied Dune and ruled it for, I think, 80 years before House Atreides came. These outsiders, the Harkonnens, came long before I was born. By controlling spice production, they became obscenely rich. Richer than the Emperor himself. Their relationship with the Fremen people is very fraught and very bad because they treated them terribly <laughs> and brutally. So they, they're the bad guys. Atreides is the good guys, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> they think they are. So <laughs> There are layers. <laughs> Well, you sound like a Dune nerd if I if I know of anything. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to be. I'm impressed. I'm very impressed. <laughs> well, there there are so many books in like the entire Dune series. I've only read the first one. I kind of know the gist of what happens in subsequent books, but I'm not full nerd to where I've read several books. But okay. <laughs> maybe okay. someday. <laughs> Well, what'd you think of it? Um, my mind is honestly pretty blown. I, like I said, I had high expectations, um, but I thought if anybody could do it, it was Denis Villeneuve, the director, um, who also did Blade Runner, Arrival, Enemy, Sicario, many beautiful, beautiful films. So he was like a great match for this. But I, you know, maybe this is recency bias, but I honestly feel like, that's one of the biggest cinematic achievements of all time. <laughs> like, I'm just going to go there. I think I literally was blown away. I got goosebumps so many times, but just it's also just so beautiful. It's it's one thing to do justice to a extremely intricate and somewhat dense political story. Doing that is an achievement in, in and of itself, but for it to look like that and to be so well acted by everyone in the cast. It was just nearly perfect. Um, so yeah, I adored it. I've seen it twice now in theaters um, and we'll probably fire it up on HBO Max sometime soon. I wouldn't be surprised, but yeah. <laughs> what about you? Tell I loved it. No, I loved it. Um, I was like, like you said, it is such an ambitious thing to like movie to take on just one just alone for just like how much information and how much backstory there is to this film and -hmm. I think that's something that Lynch's version really lacked is it really did completely throw you in there blind and like not really give a lot of explanation into Mm -hmm. what was going on um and there was just certain things that you kind of had to guess about um whether that be like the high priestess's like abilities and like mm-hmm. is it witchcraft is it this like what is, what's going on and this one just did it like even though i'd seen the first or not the first but even though i'd seen lynch's version this was just so much better storytelling even just from like even whenever um i almost said timothy chalamet but even whenever paul atreides is learning about the Furman people like just the fact that they put those little details in allowed you to take more part into the story and understand what was going on. Um, but like you said, like hands down, this is like some of the best cinematography in a film I've ever seen. Um, just some of the like, 
like just some of the shots are just absolute there's something going on in every part of the screen they didn't like direct the attention just to the center of the screen but there is like things going on in the far right corner I just I like couldn't even handle myself whenever um (laughs) when Baron when Baron Vladimir or whatever has um Paul Atreides dad in that seat and yeah just that wide angle shot of Mm -hmm. it was like a moment it was like this is gonna be something like we're talking about for a long time like this is like they're creating a universe and I don't know if I was just too excited about this movie coming out, but I had no <laughs> idea that they were breaking this into two films. Like, until, oh. like, at the very beginning where it said part one. Like, for some reason, I thought that this was going to be a standalone film, like, like Finch's. Like the full story. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was shocked by that. Um, I'd say the only thing that I walked away with a little upset about is that I didn't get as much Zendaya as I thought I would. Zendaya as I thought I would. Mm. <laughs> I was like, she's <laughs> barely in this, but yet she's like right. this, like one of the top actresses in this, but um, towards the front of the, the list. But absolutely phenomenal. If there's not another one, I might not be okay. <laughs> Same, we'll have to form a support group. <laughs> but surely there, surely there will be. Right? Because I heard that yeah. they're waiting to see how that performs before they even make the decision. Yeah, I honestly can't even envision it not happening. I don't know how long it will take them to announce it. A lot of people were speculating that as soon as this week, they would green light it just because it's already done so well at the box office. But I don't know what has to go on behind the scenes, what kind of contracts they have to line up. But I honestly... I think it's got to happen. I feel like it must have been close to a guarantee for them to even green light him just doing the first half. Like, yeah. <laughs> like you know, when you think about those conversations, I mean, I'm sure it's just a matter of we have to see if, if people come see it and if they even care before we allow you to make this into a full trilogy or, or two movies, whatever it's going to be. I understand that. But I honestly, I think... I don't even remember the last time I saw people react like this to a movie. People who are familiar with Dune and who are not. I just feel like everyone is talking about it. And maybe that's because I'm so immersed in film discourse. It may not be that way as much as I think it is. But um, yeah, I would be shocked if there wasn't one. And and really sad. Yeah. <laughs> I One of the things I really enjoyed about it is that I was a little bit afraid that they were going to like really polish off some of the like weirdness that Finch had in his film or some mm-hmm. of those like horror undertones. But I feel like they, in, in Finch's version, it does come off very like cheesy sometimes. And in this, yeah. it just works. And it's just like the aspects of like horror, like is just, it was just <laughs> such in like, an amazing film to watch, whether it be from like just the ideation that's behind all the costumes to the score, to the cinematography, like literally just all around really good film. Um, yes. But yeah. The, the attention to detail is crazy. Like, yeah, you mentioned the costumes and the sets and 
I um, just watched this video a little bit ago that was um, a Vanity Fair behind the scenes discussion with Denis where they basically asked him to break down the scene of the Gom Jabbar, which is, if not the most iconic, one of the most iconic scenes and happenings from the book. And so he just walked through that entire scene, basically frame by frame, talking about everything they, every decision they made from how to pan the camera, what to ask Timmy to do, like how they design that needle. Um, I should say, yeah, the, the Gom Jabbar scene is the scene where um, Paul is tested by putting his hand in the box and basically his humanity is being tested to see if he will um, be able to endure it or if he will lose his humanity and, and react like an animal um, to get out of that situation. So it's like a massive, massive test to the beginnings of seeing whether he could be the one. I keep saying the one because I'm afraid to say the real word, which is Kwisatz Haderach. Oh my <laughs> That's gosh. That's the official term. Kwisatz um, Haderach? Kwisatz Haderach. Which is just Messiah, right? That's the official name of the male who the Bene Gesserit, which are the, um, the women that Paul's mother is a part of, um, that the Bene Gesserit have prophesied will be basically have the same powers as a Bene Gesserit woman, um, but be able to transcend space and time and essentially be able to unlock ancestral memories from the male side as well as the females. Bene Gesserit women can only access maternal memories, so Paul would be the one to lead them. Um, so... <laughs> It's so much more detailed than that, but that's the gist of it. <laughs> so when he gets that Gamjabar test, that's essentially um, the first step in the Reverend Mother, who's there giving it to him. It's the first step in her evaluating whether he could possibly be that person. Um, but I digress. I was like, what was I talking about? Um, <laughs> just that it was just cool to watch Denis break that down and talk about everything from the design of the needle to the sound um, to, you know, whether they wanted the Reverend Mother to keep her veil on through that entire conversation or take it off. And I was just floored. I was like, no wonder this is so great. I, I mean, I'm sure most film directors care about the details of their movies, but you can just really see that care and intentionality reflected in everything about this movie, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, and it's so funny you mentioned um, Zendaya. I, I've been so curious to see people's reactions to that because somehow I did know that it was going to be a split movie. I don't know where I initially heard that or if it was just another podcast or what, but I did know that going in, and after I read the book, I was pretty sure I knew where they were going to stop it. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I was like, Zendaya is not going to be in this movie, like, at all. Yeah. Um, I was like, are people going to be mad? Because, they, like, she's front and center on the press tour. Like, like she's the star. And she will be, you know, come the second one, assuming it happens. But, um, yeah, I've just been really, like, keeping an eye out to hear people's thoughts on that. Because <laughs> I'm sure people feel misled. She's, like, an icon. And I think that she's going to be in the entire movie. And she's really not until the last few minutes. Um so that's really interesting. <laughs> I, I will say I am like a little bit surprised that they chose to stop it where they did. Yeah, it's, I was going to ask you how you thought about that. It's it's very like, 
I I want to know if it's a three part or two part or like how or if it's how many movies it is. But it is very like Frodo's quest. Like it's very like Lord of the Rings esque. It's like it's like they're about to go on this big journey. It yeah, kind of sets you up for right there. Um, but at the same time, like with Lord of the Rings, you've kind of gotten to know these characters and are like just like now being introduced to the Fremen and then it's it's just there's a little bit of confusion which I'm sure there's yeah. there is supposed to be about like what Paul's future is like what's going to be coming next and um mm-hmm. but yeah I was surprised about where they chose to, to stop it but yeah I don't, I don't mind it either so I don't know <laughs> <laughs> right no I'm with you I as even though I was pretty sure they'd stop it there, I was I was hoping we'd get a little more because especially as I was watching the movie and saw, you know how the Fremen were portrayed in the movie, I adored it. Like first of all, still suits are awesome, um, just so beautifully shot. All of them in the desert with like their their layered you know gauze or coverings blowing in the wind and their striking blue eyes and also just like I love the way they all carried themselves and I was like these are the people I want to spend time with in this movie um and you know we come the second one we'll get that'll be a ton of it but um yeah I I feel like I'm starting to hear that from other people too that it feels like a letdown that it did stop there or that you know some questioning of did it make the most sense um and in the books like I don't want to, I guess, spoil the next movie, but <laughs> I think the reason why it stopped there is because after Paul slays Jameis, um, that's when he turns into another person. That's when he starts to step into his next identity. And it alludes to that when, you know, he tells his mother, I'm not going off planet with you. I'm supposed to be here. Um, and then there's that whole vision he has before um, their fight where the voices are telling him, Paul Atreides has to die for the Kwisatz Haderach to rise. Um, and <laughs> yeah, anyway, so I, I understand why they did that because I think where we're going to pick up is like, okay, this isn't the same kind of whiny boy we were with before. He's stepping into who he's supposed to be. But I do feel like if you don't really know that, it just feels like here, like we're stopping here. Um, and I even, you know, felt that way too, just because I wished for something a little bit different but yeah yeah (laughs) that was a really cool scene though and I didn't remember that from uh Finch's version but whenever he fights that man or whatever for some reason I was thinking that he actually had to be the one to actually die and he was gonna rise again Mm, like Harry Um, Potter style yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) one of our other favorite universes yes (laughs) The universes are bountiful. We're so lucky. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. There's, oh, gosh, there's so much to all this, man. (laughs) Also, I was, I was upset. This is a spoiler, but I was like, but I think everyone knows this. I was really excited to see Timothy Chalamet ride that giant worm, and it didn't happen (laughs) in this one. I know. I know. I I was really, like, hoping for that. I thought we were going to get to see some worm riding earlier <laughs> with, <laughs> with Kynes, right before she's killed by the Sardaukar. She, like, 
thrusts out those tools. Basically, the Fremen use these to ride the worms um, because they've learned how to, like, you know, use them for their good and use them as a means of transportation. So she does that. And then the first time I saw it, I got so excited. I was like, she's going to ride the worm. (laughs) And then she was killed. And we don't see that. Um, But I was happy that they put a little nod to that at the very end of the movie like yeah. oh look what the Fremen can do and you'll have to wait four years to find out <laughs> the rest <laughs> but yeah I, I wanted to see more of that for sure because that's what's so cool about what's coming next is just first of all it's crazy town but also you just get to see so much more about these people and you know how they've adapted and why they're thriving um, and it's just really cool I think it's like so innovative (laughs) yeah it it really is and like again like that they dug into like the different tools that the Furman have and like the sand compactor and like the fact that the Mm -hmm. like there was so many things like that in the finch version that like were just like you just had to like kind of guess like why do they have tubes up their nose like i don't know like (laughs) (laughs) he's just like full speed ahead we've got two hours (laughs) yeah like it was just like so much but this one is just like it really is creating and painting a universe and it's just it's just really cool it is just very exciting um yeah i'm gonna say something that you're probably gonna hate me for Uh (laughs) uh-oh I could never. <laughs> like, and this is a very controversial opinion. Like, this is. I feel like is... I know what it might be, but. Okay. You do? You do? Maybe. I've had. It seems to be similar. Um, well, never mind. I'm just going to let you say what it is. <laughs> I was a little bit let down by Timmy's performance. Uh, and I, like, am. I believe in Timmy. <laughs> I believe in him. I believe in his future. And yes, he was perfectly casted for this role. Like, like Paul Atreides, at least in the film, I haven't read the book, but at least in the first or the David Finch version of the film, he is like very like mellow, like just like, I like, I'm just like, I guess I'm starting to like wonder what Timothy's range is as like an actor. Mm. And yeah, the box scene is like kind of like I was like waiting to get to that scene I was like oh man this is gonna be big Timothy moment like Uh this is gonna be crazy and I feel like more was done in the editing and sound mixing of that scene Mm -hmm. than was actually done Mm -hmm. from like his portrayal of like enduring like each like really bad pain like Mm -hmm. um so yeah, I like I think that's like the only thing that I was like a little bit let down by. But I wanted to know what you thought about it. Did you think how do you think well, Timmy did? First of all, how dare you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I actually was specifically specifically going to ask you um what you thought about him. Um because well yeah, cuz it's like it didn't really click to me until after and you know having hearing some similar things to what you said that he's never really fronted like a big franchise or like blockbuster before like he's obviously a rightfully renowned actor and he's done like these amazing like kind of indie oscar movies but this is like a big thing to pool um 
And yeah, I'm kind of, I, I'm not as let down on it as on his performance, but perhaps I'm giving him too much benefit of the doubt. But I, I do feel like Paul, well, first of all, in the book, Paul is supposed to be 15 years old, which is like the peak of moody, broody boy (laughs) age, I guess, (laughs) from what I hear. Um, But so I wondered if he was like actually playing that because he's kind of like, it's, it's very tamped down. It's very like demure and like, I'm kind of sad. Like I've been having dreams. Like it's like, yeah, it's, it's not super like, yeah, I don't feel like a lot of the heart in it, but I'm, I also, I was saying, saying this to my husband, I was like, I don't believe that Timmy phones things in. So I, in my heart, I'm like, hopefully he was just given the direction to be that way and to be like as much teenage boy as like a 25-year-old man can be. Yeah. <laughs> um, but because I did think he had some glimmers of being super great, um, which I thought that this scene with him and his mother in the tent when he has that vision and he basically like is freak freaking out um and he's like you know seeing the visions of the war and he's kind of like beside himself and he's scared I thought that was really good and then um and then the scenes when he was um in the beginning when he's training with Gurney and then later when he is um fighting Jameis I was like okay, like, I feel like he's really putting effort into this action stuff, and I do mostly believe that he would be a good, like, hand-to-hand combat person, but but I agree, it is, I'm kind of rambling, but I agree, it's not, like, the performance I really expected, because I'm used to so much, like, emotion and, like, you know, I don't even know what the word is, just pure charisma, and not that he didn't have that, I mean, just, like, his face alone, like, has that. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, it is, like, it's super interesting. It's I sound like a broken record, but that's why I really hope we get a second part because who he would, who his character would be in that would require him to, like, be way different than he was in the first movie. So, you know, I feel bad for him if he was like, no, I'm doing this on purpose and everybody thinks I suck now. But then <laughs> it's also possible that, like, maybe he's not the type of actor to, you know, pull a movie like this. Maybe he's better suited to the to the deep emotional, you know, dialogue heavy roles. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know. I just feel like I've seen a lot of him kind of being in it. Again, it's probably a very just well-casted role because this is kind of like what he does. But, like, Lady Bird, Call Me By Your Name, mm-hmm. not so much Little Women, but he kind of does play that brooding, like, teenager, you know? And so yeah. if if that's what Paul Atreides is supposed to be, then, you know, like, I see it. I guess the moments that took me out of that universe, of the Dune universe, though, I think were timothy chalamet moments where that be like Mm -hmm. him like there's like two instances where you kind of see him like uh like they like hey man what's up and he's like talking to um (laughs) like the guy that's head of his dad's security and then also Mm -hmm. um duncan um which is played by Mm -hmm. jason momoa but um you kind of see him be like oh hey what's up bro like da 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 and like in those (laughs) moments i was like Okay, that's <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. That's not <laughs> Paul Atreides. Like, yeah, 
I'm kind of thrown out of this universe all of a sudden because there was just something about his performance that was just, I don't know. Again, I must say, like, I agree. The tent scene was a better uh, a scene with him, like, portraying emotion and portraying, like, being really, like, confused and angry and stuff like that. But again, I still think the editing had a lot to do with that as well. Yeah. Um, but, Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see in part two. Yeah. I still love Timothy. So, Timothy, if you're listening, <laughs> well, don't be I too offended. You... No, no. I, I totally I totally understand that. And I think, yeah, it's like I know I'm probably making too many concessions for him in my brain. I'm like, he meant to do that, but I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe he just maybe he's just not, you know, connecting with it. Um, but, but actually, you make a good point that I – had in my notes too about this was I do think there were some phenomenal performances in this um, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on some of the other characters but as a whole I really did feel like this is on my I have like a list of a small list of cons like about this movie (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I did really feel like I had a hard time disconnecting all these beautiful, mega well-known actors from their characters. Mm-hmm. Like you said, like, um, I was looking at them and I was like, that's Oscar Isaac. Like, that's Jason Momoa. That's Timothy Chalamet. Like, it's almost too many big deal people. I mean, they were all, I understand why they were cast. Because I think they, for the most part, did super incredibly, like, I mean, they they all clearly cared and, you know, were doing amazing, but it's just, I was kind of like, maybe there should have been a few more lesser known people in these roles. I, I just had yeah. that, I, I couldn't really, they weren't disappearing into their characters for me. And I don't know why that is, because like I said, I felt like their performances were good, but um, I did struggle with that. I was like, okay, maybe it's too big of a flex to have all these people <laughs> in this movie <laughs> because they're not wearing like face prosthetics or anything like some Lord of the Rings characters were. And it's like, they're, they're them in all their beauty. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, a so, lot of beautiful people in this movie. A lot. Yeah. For real. For real. <laughs> <laughs> I would say maybe Javier Bardem is, is, an exception to that because I feel like he did really, really well um, as Stilgar and he kind yeah. of was a surprise to me because I didn't care all that much about that character, but I thought he did super well and I was like, oh, he's he's awesome. He's killing this. Um, but but yeah, Zendaya especially, like I love her, but I <laughs> it's like she's Zendaya. She's such, yeah. such a like, you know, icon that it's really hard to to snap out of that but we'll see what happens in the next part (laughs) that's true i thought rebecca ferguson did a phenomenal job like Mm -hmm. i think her character was probably my favorite well no i also like dr kines Mm -hmm. yes yeah me too uh was that the character that you was originally written as a male and then they changed it to a female okay that's the one i thought yeah Mm -hmm. that was a good choice on their part like for sure I agree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was awesome. And and like she's one but because I I didn't I think the actress is Sharon Duncan Brewster, I think, but I didn't know of her before. So I was like that was even more impactful to me like seeing her performance. I was like, yeah, this is 
she's awesome. She's really doing this character really well. <laughs> and I appreciated that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And and yeah, in the books, Kynes is Chani's and Daya's character. Kynes is Chani's father. It was interesting because they kind of allude to that later at, at the end when Paul and Jessica are with the Fremen and Chani gives um, Paul her Chris knife for the fight with Jameis. And she says, like, my great aunt gave it to me. And I wondered if that was like a oh. nod to, I mean, you know, they never connect them in the movie, but they are related um, in the books. So I thought that was kind of cute. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. Oh, how about that? I, yeah. <laughs> Sad, though, that she and so many other mega characters die so soon in this in this story, though. It's like you can't get attached to anyone. <laughs> Literally, though, and I there's, like, a lot of things I do not remember. Like, I'm still, like, does Josh Brolin's character come back? Or is he dead? Uh, spoiler, skip ahead if you don't want to hear this. He does come back. He's he not does. dead. Okay. Um, yeah. So he's actually pretty important in the next part. Um, oh, but here's my gripe about Josh Brolin is his character. This is not his fault. It's the... <laughs> It's, you know, the, the writing and all that. But his character um, sings in the book. He's like, not only does he train Paul and lead up, like, uh, the Atreides forces, but he also sings and plays some kind of guitar-like instrument. Um, and, and so I was like, I want to hear Thanos sing in this movie. And that never <laughs> happened. He just only recited a few random poetry lines, I guess. Oh my god, um, I'd die. I'd die. I know. And I know why they didn't do it. Like, I'm sure they were like, we'll just cut our losses and have the film or the book nerds mad at us that he doesn't sing rather than embarrass Josh Brolin and have people like, <laughs> you know, rag on him. So I get it, but. Doing I Thanos was like, memes for days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, he's not going to sing. <laughs> That's like a huge thing about his character. And you hear, I guess. When they're sparring and training, Paul says to him, like, give us a song instead when he doesn't want to train. So they nod to it, but he doesn't do it, sadly. And okay. I'm like, not hearing enough people talk about that. <laughs> I'm going to have to read the book before the next movie hopefully comes out. Because I feel like you yeah. have a lot of really good information that's, like, really special to, like, the entire plot. <laughs> I'm like, I need that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I would highly recommend it for sure and and that's something that i hope that this book or this book this movie does is spur more people to read the book and i i feel like it is like i think people who just kind of are going into it blind are like i want to know more i want to know where this is heading um but i do i definitely feel having seen the movie that even though they do a really good job of explaining what's going on i feel like it's r richer if you read the book because because, yeah, you just know where it's all headed, and you know, you can, there's kind of just more fun Easter eggs in it, which you could argue don't really mean anything, but, like, those nods to Kynes being related to Chani and, and Gurney singing, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's so great. It's such a good book, um, and it's really timeless, too, so I would definitely recommend <laughs> I'm going to try and read it again for sure. If I have a long time, then I definitely will. But <laughs> I hope 
hope it's not too long. <laughs> I know, right? Ugh. They'll be busy, though. These All these actors and actresses will be very busy. <laughs> I know. I'm like, what? who knows when Zendaya and, and Chalamet next have an opening in their schedule? Yeah. <laughs> Any other thoughts you had? Um, I don't think so. I think that's not? kind of everything I wrote down for this one. What about you? I think that's that's the big stuff for sure. I, I did want to ask you... Um, because I keep hearing people say this line of, oh, this is the next Star Wars. This is the next Lord of the Rings. This is the next Game of Thrones. Like, do you think it is? Do you think it, how do you think it stacks up to all of that? And like, cause it's, we've been fed that from the Dune marketing for so long. It's like, mm-hmm. I believe it is, but, I, but I'm like, have I just been brainwashed? <laughs> um, but I'm curious what you think about that. <laughs> Okay, to answer that question, I feel like I need to know how much source material is there? Like, how much, like, because, like, how did the books, is there three books, or how many books are there? Um, this is, I'm kind of foggy on the details of this, but there's, there's, I think, three initial books, and then at some point, Frank Herbert, who wrote these books, passed away, and his son wrote a few more. Uh And I've heard just generally that, like, especially after the third book, that things kind of get off the rails and aren't really good. So, but, I mean, for this movie, like, the first book, which this movie is only half of the first book, um, I mean, that book is, like, 500 pages. It's pretty long and extensive. Um, But that's that's what I guess I'm not sure about is, will they just chop this first book up into potentially a trilogy or if they'll make the other books too um so it's kind of yeah different scenarios i i hope it happens but i'm not sure if it will i Mm -hmm. i don't know if it's i i hope it happens but i'm not sure if it's like as refined and polished as Mm -hmm. some of those other like and i'm not saying that in a bad way like i love that this is like a big time movie and it has this like these like people speaking in voices that tell people what to do like these like <laughs> these like interesting like and I keep saying horror-esque but I, I don't know another way to describe it but just these like otherworldly like details in it but I don't know if it's if it will and the only reason yeah. I say that is I don't know if the audience is going to connect to it as much or if it's going to like translate well to broader audiences like those other ones do mm-hmm. um but i would freaking love it if it did <laughs> <laughs> yeah what do you think no i think i think you're right i think you make some great points like because i'm kind of i feel like i'm blind to a lot of things like like you mentioned the voices it's like that's going to be a big part of the next movie or movies but i I'm kind of blind to whether, like, how much sense it makes out of context. And, and there's, like, so many other things that are happening and going to happen that I think makes sense if you read the book. But if you don't read the books, it's just kind of, there's so much detail. It's not as clear cut as something like Lord of the Rings, where our purpose is to destroy this ring because it makes people do evil things. Or, or Star Wars, where it's all about, you know, the Force and... and 
keeping things balanced and you kind of you know what you're working toward and i'm not trying to discredit i mean i adore lord of the rings and star wars it's not that they're overly simple but dune is like it just goes completely into somewhat bonkers territory which like if you're into it it's like let's go there like you said it'd be freaking amazing if we actually got all of that but it is a little bit like i don't know just wild (laughs) yeah it's it's not like as easy to swallow um even in movie form so yeah i don't know i i'm really encouraged by how successful dune's already been and that people are loving it um but i think it's a little probably a little too early to say okay we got our next lord of the rings trilogy like oh my um, gosh (laughs) we could only hope you know Mm mm-hmm no, I think I you're know, spot right? on too, though. Like, exactly what you're saying, I completely agree with. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. It'll be just, it'll just be interesting to see. I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel like it would have also been a really good story to tell via series as well. Yes, because like, even though like we talked about, like I think they did a really good job at like presenting this world and like getting you on track to like what technically is going on. Mm-hmm. But I feel like series have more time and are able to do that so much, like, so less obviously than, like, movies yeah. do because you just have the time and you're spending more time with each character. And, like, right. in, in this one, it's just there's so many different people. There's so many different, like, cultures. There's so many different things that are out of this world that we don't even know what they do like you know like so it's like these items you're like I don't know what that does but um yeah I think that a series would have been good for this story as well but yeah I love that thought yeah because like I would I would love to see this unpacked over eight years like we did with Game of Thrones you know like (laughs) I think that's honestly the ideal medium to do something like this um and now I'm like, oh man, it's kind of too late. I wish they would do that. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe somebody will attempt it. But but it's interesting too, because have you heard about, um, I believe it's HBO is going to do a series on the Bene Gesserit, which is um, what the group that Lady Jessica's a part of. Um, oh, yes. That's the group I'm most, that? I did not hear about that, right? but I'm excited about that. But that's like the stuff yeah. that I'm like kind of most intrigued by. So yes. I would like to watch that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know when it's starting, but like they've announced it that they're gonna do a series and, and I don't know I know it's supposed to take place before the events of Dune, but I don't know if it's like Rebecca Ferguson's Lady Jessica character is in it or if it's even if it's like about her coming up or if it's even before then. But yeah, I'm super excited about that. Um so that's that's a step in the right direction. For sure. <laughs> it's so funny though, I I don't know why it'd be easier to kind of green light an unknown series like that one versus like trying to do dune itself that way um but i think it's gonna be great and that's one thing i love about dune is um and just lady jessica's like probably my favorite character and but then just everything with the Bene Gesserit, you know they don't they're not always good but <laughs> it's really interesting to me the role that women play and that the women really are behind the scenes like controlling most of what's happening um and yeah there's just so much detail um that i'll spare us from for now but it's just 
it's really cool and I'm excited that they're gonna delve into that in the show or I assume they are (laughs) yeah oh yeah they did do a good job at like explaining like Lady Jessica's like importance like compared to Finch's version like they explained that really well and I was like okay like So it's not just Paul's dad that's, like, a big timer. Like, we have we have two. <laughs> and also in the, like, the first time I'd watched Finch's, like, I thought that they were married. I didn't realize that she was a concubine mm-hmm. until this one. So mm-hmm. that's also something I didn't know. But, yeah. Yeah, like, it's super interesting. Like, she was basically, so, like, the Bene Gesserit, they, they are placed with these, um, with these noble families um, in many cases, with the purpose of procreating with specific people to, you know, bring forth um, more important children and to and to um, kind of control what happens in the future in terms of like even things like oh, you know, does somebody from does the son from House Atreides marry so and so woman from this other house? Like they're the people that are orchestrating that. And Lady Jessica and Leto are so interesting because. Yeah, she was just supposed to be his concubine. Like, her job was supposed to be to actually give him a daughter. That was what she was supposed to do. But she rebelled in two ways. Like, she fell in love with him, and they became, like, a family. And she decided, I'm going to – because I guess she can control this. But she decided, I'm going to have a son instead because I think I can bring forth the Kwisatz Haderach. And so it's, like, a whole whole thing that's really interesting about them. Um, But – yeah, it's cool. I could I could go on forever. <laughs> I have another question for you. Yeah. So the Harkonnens, do they have a special relationship with the high priestess? Um, I think yes and no. I can't remember everything about it, but are you asking because you see her with them? Yeah. In the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so um yeah, she's like the head of the Bene Gesserit. So she's actually assigned to the emperor. She's like his, she's stationed with him. She's his quote unquote truth sayer. So she like guides him and like she's the, the Bene Gesserit that's assigned to him. But yeah, she's in contact with the Harkonnens too because, you know, the Harkonnens and the, and the emperor are basically scheming together to get rid of the Atreides family. So I think that's just kind of showing that she's going there on behalf of the emperor and like updating them. And, you know, it's, it's like, it's kind of confusing because like, she's not controlling that, but she is. Um, so it's, yeah, it's weird. So I guess they do like, cause she's in on the bigger picture that's happening that the Harkonnens know about, but the Atreides don't. Okay. Does that answer? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of no, it does. No. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that she was specifically the emperor's, like priestess or whatever so yeah no. i think she is hopefully i have that right but yeah, um, yeah. everyone should definitely read the book <laughs> <laughs> don't listen to my poor explanations well fun we already talked an fun. hour that's crazy did we oh my yeah. gosh oh i'm sorry i feel like i've been rambling a lot in this one. <laughs> oh, you're good this is this is this helped me honestly oh, i was good. like yeah it really did well, have you been watching anything really good recently? Hmm, let's see. I mean, it is spooky season, so um, 
<laughs> as we're recording this, this is the last week in October. So I've been doing my usual, you know, going back and watching some new, but some of my old standby horror films. Um, but I did, I guess something new that I recently saw and loved was No Time to Die, the, of course, the last James Bond movie. Um, we had watched Daniel Craig's previous movies leading up to that. And so it, it really, man, it kind of hit me like an emotional juggernaut. I was not prepared, but um, I thought it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I also watched this Japanese horror movie called On- Onibaba. It's from the 60s, oh. um, which it's really gorgeous. And um, I don't want to spoil anything, but that's a good one and it, it's a horror film but it's not you know truly scary so if you're looking for something this season to watch but you're wary of horror stuff um i would definitely recommend that one it's like in the criterion it's i guess it, it was well known it was kind of new to me but it's really good nice <laughs> yeah and then i saw dune twice so <laughs> okay <I'm busy. laughs> i forgot to ask you this but you saw dune once in imax right mm-hmm so what yes. was there how was that like was there did did it feel different than the other one like on the regular I think so screen? yeah yeah so we saw it the first time just at alamo draft house and then went to the imax so it's kind of like in reverse order yeah <laughs> i wish that the first time i'd seen it was an imax but i definitely think it's worth it i mean you just feel fully immersed in it and and i didn't realize that so much of it was actually shot. I don't know if it's an IMAX camera. I don't know what that what it means, but it was <laughs> shot in a way that was intended for IMAX. So you definitely get more in some of the scenes when you have that extra width and depth of the screen. Um, and then because you're so immersed in it, like things like when they use the voice or when there's like moments with the big bass, your like whole body is vibrating and it's super impactful. I was oh, like, this amazing. Is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I would definitely recommend. Um, but, uh, yeah, like I said, I wish I'd seen it that way first. But I'm glad I got to do it. <laughs> nice. I, I'm still planning on seeing it in IMAX. I'd like to go see it like that. Yeah. We saw it in a theater, and it was a full theater. Um, oh, that's cool. I mean, obviously, they left spaces between people, but it was definitely a fully booked theater, which was really cool, really fun to be I like honestly I feel like everyone should see that movie in theater if they feel comfortable um yeah. doing so cuz it is just such a great experience <laughs> such a yes. beautiful experience. Um but stuff I've watched recently um I watched The Monster Squad for the first time recently. <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> it's animated, right? No. Oh, well, what am I th- thinking of? <laughs> Oh, I was thinking of Monster like House. A, Sorry. Oh no, this one's like a 1987. Uh, it's like basically there's like uh, like Dracula is like calling all these uh, like other monsters to try to like take over the world, but then these kids jump in and then they stop monsters forever. <laughs> um, oh, to spoil the movie, but no, it's really good. It was. <laughs> just like it was gave me all the sandlot it was like sandlot mixed with like halloween town it was it was great it was a great experience yeah. that's so interesting i want to add that to my watch list no it's really good um it was nice. made in 1987 so yeah 
Oh, the 80s. Such a good film era. <laughs> but yeah, that's, nice. that's it for me. <laughs> Are you planning anything you're excited to see next? I guess this is like, it kind of hit me. This is the week we've been looking forward to for so long because it's yes. like when so much comes out. But yeah, what are you, what's your first priority in this long list of new movies? French Dispatch is definitely one of them, which originally I thought it was going to release on the same. I always get confused with LA's release dates in ours, but I yeah, thought Dune and French Dispatch were going to be released on the same day, but that may have been mm-hmm. so in LA, but um, it, it hadn't been released yet here, but I think it yeah. is now, right? At least this weekend it's so. open, but um, yeah, yeah, you're right. People were making such a big deal about that coming out the same day as Dune because because Chalamet's in both of them, but actually it comes out the same time as Last Night in Soho for us normal people at least. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and that one too. I'm excited about Last Night in Soho too as well. But, Me too. Uh, <laughs> There's just so many movies to watch. There's so many. It's a good problem to have. Yeah, um. that's true. <laughs> There's lots of options. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. I guess if you don't have any parting thoughts, I guess that's it. I think that's it. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thank you for listening. <laughs>